0: This is the PR Podcast, a show about how public relations helps you tell your story to the world. We talk with great PR practitioners who have the skills, creativity, and just plain savvy to get their clients noticed. Now here's your host, Jody Fisher. everyone and welcome to the PR podcast. I'm Jody Fisher. Thanks for joining us. Well, make sure you send in your PR podcast plug sometime soon. All right. I know it's, it's summertime while we're taping this. And by the time this airs, it may even be September, which is still kind of summer. Uh, but in any case, uh, it, it does not let you off the hook for sending off your P- in your PR podcast plug. This is the easiest way to promote something cool that you do. Uh, it's not your nine to five. It's your passion project. It's your newsletter. You want more people listening, reading your newsletter, subscribing to your newsletter? Let us plug you here. Um, your social, your cool social media account. Um, maybe it's a blog. Maybe it's an award you won. Right? We've got an award winner on our show today. She's going to tell us all about that award. But you know, maybe it's an award that you won. Let us let us love on you a bit. Send us a a note uh, and get your PR podcast plug. Uh, send it to us at any of the socials at the PR podcast or even at mine at Jody Fisher or send an email to jody at jodyfisherpr.com. Let us plug you at the top of an upcoming episode. Let's get into our show today. We have a terrific guest. Kathleen Lucente is CEO and founder of Red Fan Communications, an integrated public relations and marketing strategy advisory firm for B2B technology companies. The agency supports early stage and established businesses to build brand reputation and sustain it with the press, investors, analysts, customers, internal teams, and other targeted... External constituents. Lucente leaves a team of proven senior consultants who work with clients to support strategic business goals, growth acceleration, and preparing for funding, merger, acquisition, or IPO. Kathleen, welcome to the PR podcast.
1: Thank you, Judy. Thank you for a wonderful intro.
0: Glad to be here. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about how you're working with your clients, and that last thing we mentioned getting people ready for funding, merger, acquisition, or IPO. You are in the business of not just getting hits, but have hits turn into real tangible ROI. Help us understand your business.
1: That's right, Judy. Uh, What we are seeing is uh, companies come to us, usually their CEO has uh, talked to their CMO um, or their CFO, and they've sat down and kind of mapped out what their exit strategy is going to be 22, 48 months from now. And they need a PR firm that is an integrated PR firm that has successfully brought companies through that process. So we sit down with them and help them think through what's the integrated marketing communication strategy they need to start now in order to plan for either being attractive for M&A, attractive for IPO, and all of the things that need to be done, including thought leadership, investor relations, uh, conferences, byline articles, and all the elements that are going to be really important to build up that ramp. Uh, starting too late is a big problem for companies. And so we really love sitting down early on and making sure those things are happening.
0: It's great to hear you talk about that. And it's and it's a, a pain point in all of PR, I think. You know, whether you are doing what you just described or whether you're opening a new, you know, a storefront, or whether you're trying to even just promote a simple event, starting too late is usually the key to failure.
1: <laughs> a- absolutely. It'll just
0: undermine everything yeah. you do.
1: Absolutely. And right now, I mean, in the the last couple of years, we've done things like the IPOs, but we've also done SPACs, which are turnaround much faster. And those companies are really trying to condense what normally would be 12 to 16 months worth of work into a three to five month program. And so that's super, super intense for a lot of companies. And that's extremely important to make sure you have your your partner on, on board early on for that even if you're even thinking about it, so you understand what are the things and and what is the financing we're going to need in order to support that.
0: Um, I, I know that every company is different, right? And, and every, every assignment uh, has got its details, uh, its own individual details. But are there some common themes that you help clients walk through or help clients think about when they're looking at that, you know, tw- let's say, 24-month timeline? Are, yeah. there, are there things that they need to either be thinking about that they're not thinking about or maybe sequences of events that you try to get them adjusted to?
1: Yeah, absolutely. When it comes to thinking about, it's interesting, people will ask me, what's the difference between getting prepared for an M&A versus IPO? And there's a lot of similarities, right? You're in the process of building brand equity. And so you want to be positioned as a thought leader, which is a word that gets thrown around very aggressively. What we like to talk about is being a specialist in your industry and being known as a trusted advisor in your industry. So move away from a thought leader and think about it that way. And so you're not selling all the time. You're, you're building that client into somebody that everyone's looking to for guidance and advice. They're also known for being highly profitable and showing momentum in the, over the course of the 12 months to 18 months. So they're showing that they're winning deals, that they're getting client testimonials, that they're building, if they're gonna do advertising that they've started it already because you cannot do that in the last few months leading up to an IPO. So really helping them understand all of these elements and making sure the engines are all running, that they want to have running, so that when it comes time for that acquisition or to go public, they're really well positioned and the brand equity is there.
0: Let's talk a little bit about that thought leadership. And I agree with you that it is a far too overused phrase to the point where now it it means nothing. (laughs) Um, It's way too general, it's way too broad. And I love your description of what was the phrase you used there? Uh, A a subject matter specialist? It was different than that.
1: It really is is becoming sort of an industry go-to specialist that everybody wants to look at your blog, understand what you're saying, that you understand the pain points that the customers are going through that you're working with, and that you're not just pushing product on them all the time because nobody wants to read about that. They want to hear... Who do I go to? Who would, who, who could I ask? It's almost like the companies are becoming industry analysts because they are, if they really want to be a trusted advisor, they have to be looking at the big picture and talking to their customers around those issues.
0: And what are some of those other issues that you help people uh, target maybe early on, you know, maybe that doesn't result in necessarily press or some kind of external action, but just sort of arranging the house internally. Are there, are there things that you
1: work with them on? Red Fan is absolutely known for starting with our clients uh, in brand positioning, so getting their narrative right and really kicking the tires on that. Right now, you're seeing companies all trying to shove AI into their story. You know we have to be respected when we call a reporter. If we say you're an AI company and you've just kind of tagged that on. You know, you're going to get laughed out of the room. We're not in the business of being laughed out of the room. It's our reputation as well. So, we really look at interviewing people externally and uh, internally, doing a full competitive analysis and making sure that the the brand positioning and the narrative is really rich and that there are supporting storylines that go with that. And then we start to look at after that who are going to be the spokespeople that are going to support those storylines and how we're going to build a full campaign over a course of a year with that messaging in mind.
0: Are there favorite ways, once you have that set, are there favorite ways that you have to convey that to those external stakeholders or those external audiences? What do you then start to pull the trigger on?
1: Well, the number one thing we do is we have to make sure the house is in order with every client, right? So a lot of times a company comes to an agency like us and they think they need we need press. And when the first thing we're asking is, well, why do you need press? Let's dig into that. What are you hoping that's going to achieve? We do this brand positioning, and then we look at their website and all their channels and make sure that the channels are updated with the right copy and really support this new messaging platform before you start going out and doing PR or analyst relations or any of those things. You want to make sure that you're creating a foundation that if anyone hits it, it's a consistent message. So then we can start having fun. We can start you know, doing media relations. We can start doing blogs. We can start doing... Uh, industry analyst relations and really start to bring that storyline to life. And that's where you have to start. You have to get the house in order first. Um, I find a lot of companies think brand positioning is, you know, the logo and a, a quick slogan. Absolutely not. Um, you know, it's not the color scheme and all that good stuff. You should start with the brand positioning first. And that also dictates, are you, you know, your product line? Are you going to start naming your product line separately from the company How are you going to start to scale your company and and the brand uh, narrative that's going to support that?
0: What are the types of companies that you're working with? Are they selling products? Are they selling services? What are they doing?
1: Jody, we work with major fintechs like CSI, who we just won an incredible award for our work there. Uh, They're a big big fintech company. They're actually working with community banks and credit unions all around the world. Um, They have over a thousand employees. We helped uh, bring them private, and then we've been helping them start to grow with uh, acquisitions, so that's really exciting. We're also working with Texas Original, which is medical marijuana in Austin, Texas, which we're also working with the lobbyists there and helping to uh, get law uh, inched forward, if you will, um, and really educate the public on where medical marijuana fits into children with epilepsy to you know VAs, sort of the whole span. Um, We're also working with a company right now that's a a SPAC, which I can't talk too much about, but I will say it's in the dementia uh, uh, robotic space, which is pretty exciting. And we're excited to see, I think that's a hot topic that's going to continue to be a big issue for anyone of my age that has parents, um, where we're starting to look at what's the care later on and where does technology fit into that. So those are the types of companies we're working with. And we're known for uh, also construction tech, so versatile, which is an incredible company uh, here in the United States and in Israel. They're you know, that eye on the sky kind of thing on the crane. So you saw that big uh, devastating issue that happened in New York. If that technology had been on the crane, you'd be able to ha- see what really happened and the AI and the, uh, the viewpoint, you'd be able to really the insurance company could see even see what happened and be able to figure out how to replicate that and fix those things moving forward
0: interesting you mentioned the the camera and the construction site i've worked with many real estate developers and many construction companies. And if there's one thing that they universally hate, it's cameras on their work sites.
1: (laughs) It can be true, but I will say that um, some really big uh, clients of uh, Versatile, they're very pleased that they do have this because they're able to make adjustments and figure out what's going on and insurance companies love it too. So Every, you know, it's, it's always, you know, one step forward in, the, in that kind of an industry. Um, it's not always the fastest to accept new technologies, but we're starting to see some pretty cool innovation there.
0: That's great. That's really good stuff. It's a, it's a really interesting uh, company and, and line of business that you've built. Um, interested in how you got into this. I know that you, you said you had an international career. You have a background in tech and in journalism, right? How did you, how do you go from doing what you did before to getting into, to creating Red Fan?
1: Well, I I had the benefit of being a high-tech journalist up in Boston, writing about microprocessors and routers and all those types of things while teaching freshman English at Boston College in my early days. And um, it was interesting. It turned out I have PR people coming in and pitching me as a journalist. And so I kind of saw the good and the bad um, in our industry, kind of looked at that with a critical eye as a journalist. Eventually, what happened was Motorola here in Austin, Texas, asked their PR agency in Boston, Cambridge, Massachusetts, actually, to recruit me. And so I kind of joined in that way. And fast forward, uh, you know, handled major technology companies like Motorola, moved to New York with Ketchum Public Relations, ran, helped to run their tech practice, was recruited by IBM and managed agencies while I was there handling IBM research. And so I got to see both Eventually, I was actually recruited by uh, J.P. Morgan uh, while I was at Peppercom in New York. I was recruited by J.P. Morgan, and that was the heyday of IPOs when we were bringing companies public. Went to J.P. Morgan and and did the Lab Morgan uh, effort there, which was spinning off companies and helping CEOs think through, do I need an agency? Should I hire someone in-house? I went to uh, Asia um, after that and I was in charge of a four-way merger there for JP Morgan and managed a multiple multiple fabulous agencies there. And when I was coming back to the United States, instead of doing the corporate route, I really felt like Red Fan would be a good thing to create as a senior consultancy because I felt like that the bigger agencies weren't always hitting the mark with what I needed as a, as a client and i wanted and i really loved when i got the senior attention and i wanted to create something where that was consistent every time for our clients so that's how red fan was established here in austin texas and i'm really proud we're now 15 years old so
0: that's fabulous and congratulations to on that um it's it's uh, worth putting a a note on that the best communicators especially in very subject deep and specific industries like the ones that you work in um the best ones have a background in that area. Um, you know, you can have PR folks who are sort of generalists, and they're really good at navigating the media, creating messages, understanding how to tell stories, um, which I'll say is generally what I do. Um, right. And then you've got other folks like yourself who have walked walk from inside of those various companies, as well as your background as a journalist, understanding how to communicate and how to tell good stories. Um, But having the subject matter expertise that you're then able to convert to um, consult and advise your clients and sort of let them know what's coming because you've been
1: there, perhaps? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a real, even when I'm looking to hire people, I look at a real diverse balance of people with journalism backgrounds, um, pretty much. And I, I put a lot of faith in writing is essential, but understanding how to tell a story and being hungry. So one of the values we have at Red Fan is fire in the belly. And you have to have a fire in the belly around the industry you're in, you're focusing on for your client. You have to be able to invest pretty heavily to be the best at representing them. And I love that. I mean, I think that that's why we also are very specific about being exclusive. So, you know, with CSI, we would never represent one of their competitors at the same time. We're all in, right? And we're able to truly dig in and, and, and have a juicy relationship there and do a lot, um, both internal comms and external comms with them. So I, I think that um, those are also extremely uh, valuable relationships for PR professionals to have that level of a relationship with a client is really important. Uh, in terms
0: of advising your clients on their business goals, on their strategies, and you, know, you, you talked about um, looking at that two-year-out timeline. Um, are there things that you've seen clients do and, and forgive me, I'm putting you on the spot just a little bit here. Um, and we don't need you to drop any names. <laughs> we won't hey, embarrass. Jody, I'm we on the spot every me.
1: day. We're 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 in the profession <laughs> of being on the spot. So, so throw it at me.
0: <laughs> well, I'll tell you, people usually ask me these questions and I'm like, "Oh deer in the headlights. And then I get off the call and I come up with 10 examples. So that's what I mean when I say that. Okay. Um, but, but are, are, there, are there things that maybe people, uh, you talked about getting the house in order. Are, are there things that people think they need to do first where they're kind of misdirected and they're like, they're turned around and they say, well, we really think we need to do that. I mean, the, ex- the PR example is like, we need to be in the New York Times. And my question is, well, why? Are those where your customers are? Are, are there things on the business side, on the internal side of these businesses that people are gearing up to, to achieve a particular thing but their emphasis is misplaced and you and you redirect them and sort of course correct them.
1: Yeah, I have a great example. We um we work with a number of fantastic clients who put a lot of trust in us and and maybe are often coming back as a repeat client as a CEO at a new a new organization. And one of the the biggest things we see is that companies don't really know who their customers are. So they think let's get some byline articles and a little bit of this and that. But the reality is we'll bring in our data scientist and take a look at their customer base. So we just did this for a, a law firm. We, we were able to take 250 uh, of their customers and put them through a lens through our data scientists and actually identify three different types of clients and help the personas of those clients and then have a more robust conversation with our uh, client about around these three different types of clients and what they read, where they are, where the, what would matter to them, and then let's customize an integrated marketing and communication strategy that might have content for your blog, an event in in the city they're in, uh, you know those types of things. And so, I, I uh, it was funny because the the client came back to me and he go he said, "Man, I'm smart at what I do, but you you just blew me away. I mean, I now know." I said, "Yeah, you don't want to waste money. I don't even want to take your money until we get this piece done." because this is gonna be the nirvana. This is gonna be your roadmap. Every dollar you spend is gonna be so much smarter because we did this piece first. And that to me is uh, sexy for him and sexy for us because we love being data-backed. We feel a lot better knowing we have that information. And even big companies, they're not doing that level of work, that level of detailing, which is so important. Um, I think you have to think freshly about your customer base. Even when I was at J.P. Morgan, one of the things I discovered with the private wealth management business was most of the bankers were asking people out to go golfing, and most, they were usually asking men to go golfing. Well, a lot of the women in those families are the ones running the, the finances, so we brought in you know Andre Agassi and people like that to do private lessons with the wife and the children and started to change the dynamic. And I did a really strong competitive analysis there to look at what the other banks were doing. And I realized how we could truly differentiate and address the family as the client versus just one individual. And so when we talk about integrated marketing and PR, really, when they come in and ask that question, like, hey, I think I need this, that pushing back and really helping them think through, that's when you build true trust with the client.
0: Uh, you hit the word there, trust, right? It's the key to all business relationships, including PR and consulting relationships.
1: 100%.
0: For sure, for sure. Uh, and, and also, uh, I'm hearing a theme in what you're just describing too, and I want you to reflect on this. Uh, give us your reflections on this. Um, the fact that the phrase that I use is, is good press follows good actions, you know, and, and good storytelling. You know, if you want to get the good press, you've got to do things, the kind of things that you were describing, sort of really changing the how you operate or or really drilling down on the, okay, what are we doing? What's the thing that we're going to do? And then be able to that, because that opens the door to the storytelling, whatever medium you use to tell the story, it opens the door to the storytelling that you want to do, but you can't do the storytelling until you did the thing.
1: Well, and Jody, a great example that I love to use c- to pull on that point is it's also as, as PR professionals setting up what does success really look like with your customer and your client. So a good example would be um, when I was running running a P- part of PR for IBM Research, I had a, it was like a, being a kid in a candy store with all the stories I had. Right, every aisle had a Nobel Prize winner or this or that. It was. I mean, if you're a media relations person, it was like truly the cookie jar. Um, And one of the things was I had an incredible story that would have been very, very perfect as an exclusive for the Wall Street Journal. But because I was in touch with uh, corporate and the CEO and and the sales office, I knew that they were going out to Sacramento to win a very big or try to win a very big deal uh, with a government agency out there. And they sat down with me and said, is there any chance you could take that story and customize it for the Sacramento Bee? And I said, well, I could try. I mean, there's no guarantee with media relations, but I could certainly try. And we did. And instead of giving it to the Wall Street Journal, gave it to the Sacramento Bee. That journalist was in heaven because they knew that this was something that normally they probably wouldn't have gotten. And right off the bat, uh, it landed an article the week that they were having that big meeting and the IBM won the deal. So that's like, you can measure, right? You can see that whole nirvana moment. And um, that's what we love to see in our industry, right? Where you can create that level of partnership within a company. But that only,
0: that's a great story. And that only happens when there is communication between the people who are running the company and the PR people or the communications people. And so often I find, and you probably the same, find organizations that will cut the communications people out or bring them in at the very last minute and had they not done that with you they wouldn't have landed that article and they wouldn't have landed that deal
1: that's right jody i was blessed early in my career at ketchum to have american management systems as a client and the pr uh, professional that was my client was very much connected internally and as a result, she made it a mandate, almost a mandate that we win the Anvil and the Cipro Award, right? Well, we, we, we said, okay, then you have to get the sales connection there so we can really make that happen. And we won the very first B2B Anvil ever given out um, as a result of that. And it was because when we were getting those Wall Street Journal articles and things like that, the sales team was using them and we had sales, we could sm- measure the sales uh, channel and the impact. And it, it it spoiled me, uh, Jody. It spoiled me. So now I really kind of try to insist on it wherever I can.
0: And that spells R O I, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> sure <laughs> For does. For sure.
0: For sure. Well, Kathleen, this has been a great conversation. So happy that you came on to share your knowledge and your expertise. We are going to now segue into the rapid-fire question portion of our podcast. This is where we steal a page from inside the Actors Studio. Ask our guests a series of rapid-fire questions meant to elicit a simple answer, maybe a laugh or two with your indulgence. Kathleen Lucente, let's begin. Rapid-fire question number one, what is your favorite news source?
1: Okay, Jody, It's going to be the BBC paired with Morning Brew because Morning Brew is like my safety net honest to God, like you're so busy as a PR professional, it's hard to read every single thing. I love BBC because it gives me that kind of the lens on the world that I love seeing. And it's not all America all the time. I'm seeing a bigger picture. It helps me get my brain on straight. And Morning Brew just like helps bring everything to the surface that I think I need to know from Wall Street to, you know, the, the Silicon Valley. There I am.
0: I love I love Morning Brew, and I do the similar thing. I substitute NPR for BBC, but I'm right there with you.
1: I, if, hey Jody, uh, you didn't ask me what I listen to when I'm driving in the car. Okay, so it's going to be NPR. So.
0: There you go. There you go. Rapid fire question number two. What's your favorite social media platform?
1: I'm a LinkedIn uh, lady. I I absolutely love it. So during the day I'm LinkedIn, and at night I'm Instagram. So that's sort of where the world changes for me. And I think it's important to have a break during the day and, and move into something that's a little sassier and visual in the evening. So that's kind of how that works for me.
0: I like it, I like it. Yeah, it gives, gives your brain a little of the recovery time, right? And mm-hmm. you can, and, and I, I've said this frequently, I like selfies, I like seeing my friends. I wanna see my friends where they are,
1: right? So true, especially this summer, all the cool travel people are doing, yeah. it's inspiring. Yeah.
0: Bring the selfies, bring the selfies. Rapid fire question number three, coffee or alcohol?
1: Where there is caffeine, there is Kathleen. So um, I'm gonna just say it better be dark, uh, dark roast, um, fresh beans and uh, the day is better as a result.
0: Absolutely, am. I am I'm never far from my Yeti Tumbler <laughs> and it is always filled with black. Rapid fire question number four, what's your favorite on the run food?
1: Here in Austin, Texas, I would say juice land. So I would wind up getting an I dream of greeny smoothie, which makes me feel like I'm on top of the world because I'm having spinach and kale and peaches. And it doesn't feel like I'm eating vegetables, but it's got this energy juice that got me on a high and probably a sinful bar, which is um, a naughty little treat that they have uh, over there There at juice land.
0: Gotta Got have a little fun. Rapid fire question number five, Kathleen. What do you want to be after you finish this career?
1: Jodi, there's no expiration date on this career. It is, I am so energized by my career that um, I love being a trusted advisor. I find it just it gets me up in the morning and I love it so much. I can't see an end to it, but I would say I have a couple of books in me. So that's probably where you're gonna find me uh and, and out speaking. So that will be. When I have a little extra time on my hands, that's what that's going to be about.
0: We will look forward to it, Kathleen. This has been a great conversation. Please let people know how they
1: can find you online. You can find me, uh, Kathleen Lucente, obviously at my LinkedIn, but I would hit Red Fan Communications up. Uh, You'll find everything you need there, including our newsletter. And if you shoot me a line, I also have a special newsletter from the desk of Kathleen that is written specifically for CMOs and CEOs. So I look forward to hearing from any of your listeners.
0: Good resources there. Thanks again, Kathleen. And thank you everyone for listening. Please remember to subscribe to the show. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at The PR Podcast. And send us a question or a comment. Our intro is by Christopher Apple. You can find him and his fantastic photography on Instagram at Christopher underscore A-P-P-O-L-D-T. Check him out there and hire him for all your photography needs. You can find me online at Jody Fisher on all the socials and on the web at jodyfisherpr.com. We'll see you next time on the PR Podcast.